0: welcome everybody to the new flesh podcast it's another side boob cinema it's a very special edition side boob cinema we are here we are joined by our friends uh from over the pond from the hey you guys podcast how is everyone
1: good very good thank you and thank you so much for having us this is uh, this is awesome very exciting as well our first crossover podcast this feels you know it's like marvel and dc almost
2: playing <laughs> with us that. first crossover well
1: uh can we be Marvel at that point? Because I know more Marvel than DC. But
3: uh, no, really, uh, really looking forward to this one. Really, uh, as as we've already alluded to, it's been months in the making. It's been uh, it's been one I've been looking forward to doing. So
0: well, the the films we're doing today: uh, Weekend at Bernie's one and two. I had heaps of fun uh, what, re-watching these ones. I hope you guys did too. Oh
1: well, oh, I mean, uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to be clear. Unlike like you guys, I mean, you all seem to have a long history with these films. I've literally just watched them over the last few days for the first time. And man, to say I have very differing views of the two films would be a massive understatement. I hate to say this, but Bernie, it appears as if somebody's trying to
4: defraud the company. Gentlemen, this is good work. Very, very good work. How would you two like to come to my house at the beach?
2: The man
1: absolutely loves
2: us don't kill them while i'm around forget the accident with the two guys take care of lomax
1: ow Ooh, what was oh hello
3: bernie we're here larry lomax is dead what kind of a host invites you to his house for the weekend and dies on you? he's the one who's been stealing from the company son of a bernie
2: He's gonna have us killed? Lomax told whoever he's talking to not to kill us if he's around, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, but Lomax is dead. He's not around anybody yeah. anymore. <laughs> I know that. You know that.
2: Nobody else knows that. <laughs> <laughs> hey! oh! Welcome to
1: Bernie's Place.
4: Hey, Bernie. Ladies, hello.
1: Where the parties are to die for. Hey, Hi.
0: Bernie. Bernie. Oh, Bernie. You're really new. <laughs>
1: Doesn't anyone realize he's dead? The women. Hey. Are drop dead gorgeous. Oh god. God and the host.
4: Where's Bainey? I'll kill him if he's cheating on me.
1: Is a little stiff. He's in the bedroom. Yes, yes,
2: yes. Oh, boy. I gets laid more dead than I do alive. Hold the boat! Got it. Hold it. Come on,
4: come on. Dive in. Come on. To the ultimate 80s comedy.
1: i don't know how i knew so little about weekend of bernie's it's like you know one of those films it feels like it totally should have been on my radar but instead mm. it's it's like i didn't know who was in it i didn't really know what the tone was all i knew was what doing a weekend of bernie's is mm. that that's it i, I say right. that like i've done it in the past <laughs> Just to be clear, I haven't, I've never done a a weekend of Bernie's. Liam, I
2: think you've you've hit on something which, which maybe we'll get into a bit later. Is, uh, these movies, these movies are iconic. And, and, and like some of the other movies we cover and that you guys cover, I feel that some of the iconic elements have totally overshadowed the actual movie itself. You know, like, like the 100%. Like, think about it, like that baby blue jacket, the Lennon Sunnies, the Smirk. But the, it's the premise. The premise is quite famous. And, well, it's,
3: yeah, but, quite it's quite funny because you think of you think of these two films and as you just said the premise which you get from number one but a lot of the things you remember is from number two yes
4: but so <laughs> like, yes. like if i'm so thinking true. of
3: weekend of bernie's i'm thinking of him dancing and things like that when he was on his own that's all number two the voodoo Curse. which these two films are completely different yes oh
2: yeah like, all oh they yeah. really like are I said,
3: you think doing a weekend of bernie's it's uh, as liam has already said he's probably kidnapped the corpse and done this over the weekend
1: but have you guys have you guys not i mean if you've never been like how many times i've been like oh, dude we've got to get into tyler's party and like i know but they'll only let us into if steve is with us and steve is dead like, oh, okay dude, go, i've got a i haven't seen the movie but i've heard about this movie we can totally get it yeah.
0: well before we take a deep dive on this uh on this film maybe john you yes. can hit us with a bit set of a table you set yep. the table
2: I'll set the table. Okay. Okay. Strap yourselves in. Weekend at Bernie's. Here we go. So Richard and Larry, played by Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy, are two level, low-level schlubs who work at a New York insurance firm. Richard lives with his parents and Larry lives in a small roach-infested apartment. One burning hot weekend in the city, they work overtime and discover a massive financial oversight. The books are out $2 million. Basically, someone's trying to defraud the company. They excitedly take the news to their boss, Bernie Lomax, a Trumpian figure with a taste for fast cars and faster women. Bernie offers to go over the case in more detail over the Labor Day weekend, so he invites the boys to his plush house in the Hamptons. Turns out that Bernie is the one actually trying to screw the company. He meets with his mobster associates and asks that they kill Richard and Larry. Bernie's going to tie up the loose ends by writing a murder-suicide note and planning some money to uh, take care of uh, Richard and Larry. The mobsters agree to sick their best man, Paulie, on the case, and the head of the family, Vito, decides to kill Bernie, uh, also because Bernie is nailing his girlfriend, Tina. Meanwhile, Richard has a disastrous date uh, with... That's Jonathan Silverman. Has a disastrous date with Gwen from work, uh, intern, intern, summer intern, Uh, He gets caught out in a lie about living with his parents. Hitman Paulie arrives on the island in the Hamptons, surprising Bernie, and Paulie gives him a hot dose of heroin. Richard and Larry finally arrive themselves and head up to Bernie's beach house and discover that Bernie is dead. The pair want to do the right thing, but Bernie is a party magnet with something always getting in the way of them calling the authorities. Turns out intern Gwen is also a Hamptonite. Richard apologizes to Gwen and they're back to square one as long as he doesn't lie to her anymore. The boys discover Bernie's plan to have them killed by a recording and they also find the evidence of the frame-up, the money and the note. Paulie, the hitman convinced that he's, he's blown the gig, returns again and again to finish the job. At the same time, Richard and Larry try to escape the island. Forced to return to Bernie's mansion, Gwen also, uh, Gwen, dis- uh, the boys, uh, uh, that is, the boys return to Bernie's mansion. Gwen finally discovers the truth about Bernie. Paulie arrives to kill everyone. Larry and Bernie defeat Paulie. Richard and Larry win the day. What did we make of Weekend at Bernie's?
1: Well, first off, it, you know, when you're reading that, I'm, I, like I'm questioning in my head. It's was like, this is a comedy, right? <laughs> because... <laughs> Some pretty, there's some pretty dark shit in this film.
3: The comedy of errors is the hitman uh, consistently killing a dead person, yes,
2: <laughs> yes, like
3: yes. over and over, he's killing a dead person. Just, one of my favorite
2: actually, that's one of my favorite um bits in the movie, uh, because that one of the jokes, I guess, is that guy losing his composure and <laughs> he comes so he rolls back and then um uh bernie jumps down like falls down off the off the the balcony and the guys like resting with him and he's, and, and he the, the 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 performance and the sound from the hitman's is great he says, he says like i got you i got you you son of a bitch i got you and he's like strangling a dead guy and, and bernie's doing that sort of hapless um like pathetic like almost half fighting with him you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, it's,
1: I think it's one of the underrated aspects of this film is the, the physical comedy. Is yes. it, and Terry Kaiser as Bernie Lomax? Like, he's so good in this film. It's it's one of those ones easy to kind of write off. Oh, he's just playing a dead guy. They're kind of the same way you would say, oh, it's easy for Arnie to play, say, the Terminator because he's not doing anything. But I feel like you've got to have a certain skill, skill set to pull that off, that whole, like, you know... You're pretending to be dead, but at the same time, you can't quite act that you've got to kind of fall into certain positions while still maintaining the element that you're not in control of yourself. I, I thought he was really in this. Well,
2: Terry, but Terry Kaiser, if you look at his his uh, sort of career, apparently he, he headed up some you know pretty good acting school, and that makes perfect sense. I just knew that he was going to be like um Henry Winkler from Barry, you know, like or, yeah, or yeah. um like or like Jeffrey Tambor or someone, it's one of these like LA guys who is like really serious and he's also Bernie. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sadly for him, he's he's mostly Bernie. Can you imagine
3: though, him getting the script for this and going, well I'm dead at the beginning of the film, but I'm through it all.
1: Like just Imagine well,
0: that- no, that, that's very
1: much the script for the second film, isn't it? Because he gets half film, an hour. A bit to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he does
3: get half an hour. You're right. I, I do apologize. I'm confusing the two films again.
1: I'm not sure if it's much better for him because Bernie's just the worst. I mean, he's so incompetent. It's, unbel- like, it's like he wants to get killed or wants to get caught. I mean, he's talking about murdering them in, like, busy restaurants. He's, what is this, this mob boss guy who's clearly pretty serious business, You know, he's not only fucking his wife, but he's like cavorting with her outside of the place that they were all eating. I'm like, dude, man, it's like you want to get killed. Of course, which happens very soon.
3: But you can't can't feel for our hapless heroes either because Andrew McCarthy is a scumbag in this film and in number two. Absolute scumbag. He is
1: a complete (laughs) scumbag. Oh my God. I've got this weird thing with it because I'm quite new to the world of Andrew McCarthy um, and I, I kind of... He's also, I think he benefits from being the, maybe the nicest of a bunch of truly horrendous characters in St. Elmo's Fire. I watched that not too long ago. And that film, the main thing that stands out to me in that film is that everyone's a end. but I'm like, he's kind of the most likable of an otherwise horrendous cast. And in this, I'm like, oh, there's got to be something to him because he is a terrible person, but I'm still kind of rooting for him. And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, why is, why wasn't Andrew McCarthy like a bigger star? I'm like, I'm watching this. And I'm almost like, you know, he's got those connections with John Hughes from Pretty and Pink. And I feel like, like he could have been Ferris Bueller in another world. Like that's, you know, when I'm watching this film, I feel like he's got that kind of vibe. And I'm telling, I'm asking myself, I'm like, oh, why didn't he have a bigger career? And then I watched Weekend of Bernie's 2. And I was like, oh yeah, that's why, because... <laughs>
0: That's that's what I found. That's what I found. The difference between the two movies, like *Weekend at Bernie's* one, I I loved Andrew McCarthy's character. Like he was yeah. a scumbag, but I I thought he was one of the best parts of the film. Like he was just Absolutely. a scumbag. But then *Weekend at Bernie's* two, I felt like he was oh. the worst thing about the movie. <laughs> yes. Like he was just too over the top, and he just he just looked weird, and it was just too yeah. much. And
1: he was gurning all the time. That weird laugh he kept yeah. bringing in. I was like, how have they turned what, like, and as I said, I was watching these two films, like within a couple of days of each other, and I came out of Weekend and Bernie. I was like, man, I, I like Larry so much, to, despite the fact that he's a dick. And then I watched Weekend and Bernie too. I was like, that is one of the most unlikable movie performances I have ever seen. Well, it's insane.
2: I'm going to dissent. I'm going to dissent oh. from you people. I I l- loved him in number two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I thought this was all running so smoothly. First chink in the here,
2: dude. First chink in the No, I agree. I agree with what you're all saying. But but at the same time, I thought that the that the set that the this his second movie performance was a logical uh uh ramping of his first. Um and I can explain why. Um Oh please. Uh, well, no, because the the when you think about it, uh, he has um there's no deterrent. Uh, that he's they've gotten away with so many crimes and and so in sort of a, a Dostoevsky way he's become monstrous and uh, he's he's I think in the second one he's just like you know a, a, a turned up to 11 version of the of the first movie um and I thought it was um, a very bold choice for them to have him. Well, I guess very early on he is jump like jumping on the suitcase to try
0: and get him. <laughs> that's in that's the best part of that of that second film. <laughs>
2: yeah, you
3: said, you said about monstrous. No more so than stuffing a man, a dead body, into a suitcase to take him on holiday.
1: Yes, I, 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 I mean a big problem with this though is that there's such different movies, and like you said, I don't necessarily have an issue with the escalation of his character into like let's be clear like lunatic by the end of the second film <laughs> but because the set the second film is so much weaker than the first the first one is like yeah you can watch it as this kind of hijinks well quite a dark comedy i mean it, it's weird because it, it's actually quite well disguised as a dark comedy it's it's actually something broader and more instantly likable than it really should be you know underneath like if you like when you're reading the synopsis like god this sounds like a yargos lanthimos movie it's like this, could have just been Dogtooth again. But the second film, because they kind of remove the subtle social commentary which is underlying the film, he's just, there's nothing to kind of latch onto him as, a, as this likable character. It's like, you know, his actions are kind of like tonally and narratively drip it, sorry, they're kind of explainable by the social comment, commentary underpinning the movie. So, like the whole gap between the rich and the rest, and Richard and Larry taking these different approaches, like, okay, Richard. I'm going to work hard because if I work hard enough, I'll get what I want. Whereas Larry's like, he thinks it's bullshit. So he's like, I'm going to take any opportunity to get to the top. I'm like, oh yeah, I can kind of get on board with that. And then his subsequent actions. And because they remove all that social commentary in the second film, I'm like, oh no, just Larry's just being an absolute psycho. And of course they they kind of upscale the hijinks unbelievably to the point where, as you already mentioned, he's stuffing a human body into a suitcase. And one of the most 90s things ever, like you're watching this, this movie and I, you know, Obviously, everything going on is crazy, and all I kept thinking was, "How the hell did they get a dead body through security?" That's I mean, what I was you know, I know it's like oh Jesus. They uh,
3: they <laughs> said it, didn't they? It's it's uh, no customs because it is classed as Amer- uh, America. So apparently, it's just easy to do it if you're going between states.
1: Oh, apparently so.
2: <laughs> well, okay. So you've mentioned a lot there, Liam. I think maybe we'll stick macro for a bit um, and talk about you know, particularly the first movie. Uh, Yeah, and let's talk about these big themes that you've you mentioned there. You mentioned, um, you know, the satire. Mentioned like what it's about. Maybe we could talk about what the hell we think it's about, or the or the genre. But the 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 basic fact is that lots of people like this movie, Mm. despite all, despite the bad press, despite the second movie, despite everything. This was a big titted hit. (laughs) <laughs> this made this was like this was made for like 15 million or something and it made like 30 or whatever. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. And then and then it spawned a sequel. And like I think you look at those numbers because we tend to focus on those old um, those box office numbers, but also the ancillary market, the the video sales of both of these mm-hmm. and the cable sales and everything would have been huge. So I think this did it did it did well enough that that people are suing each other on behind the scenes. Like like Ted Kotcheff and uh, the writer, um what's his name, Robert, whatever, Robert Klein, Klein, sorry, they're both suing, you know, someone because it made so much money. That's always a good sign.
1: Well, it's just, it's, well, again, yeah, because it's just like, if we are just talking exclusively about the first one in particular, it's because the first one's really good. It's really like, and again, we come back to, to, to Larry and I think lesser so with um, Richard, who I actually think has a bit of a kind of a Ross from Friends vibe where, he, you know, on, on the surface, he's trying to do the right thing, but he really is actually a bit of a dick. But fundamentally, it's like the first film is well made, it's funny with a really likable cast of characters. And you know, it's no surprise. I mean, Ted Kochev, you already mentioned the director. I mean, this guy's got chops. This guy directed, you know, First Blood. That's like yeah. an absolutely amazing film. Well,
0: it? he he actually directed one of Australia's greatest ever movies, which is Wake and Fright. If you if you've never seen if you've never seen Wake and Fright, you've got to see it. It it spawned the Australian film renaissance of the 1970s.
2: Well, I think you can go bigger and say, I mean, I, I, I tell people it's the greatest Australian movie ever made.
3: That's, uh, that was Donald Pleasance.
2: Yes. That's right, yeah. So, you know, uh, it takes an outsider, it takes someone, I think he's from Canada, it takes an outsider to see, mm. you know, to bring something new uh, to, um, you know, just make you see yourself in a way. And, and I think that, you know, he, I watched that movie, it's too close to home. You know what I mean? You watch it, and you and I just get chills. I just go, "Oh my god, he's nailed! He's nailed us!" And that was from 1971, but a lot of that stuff is still true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, Ted, as you're saying, Ted Kotcheff, he's the real deal. Um,
1: oh yeah, yeah, really is. Well, to
3: say that, I mean, he went from he went from that to do uh the shooter with Dolph Lundgren, which uh, hmm, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh well, you know they can't they, right
1: they can't all be bullseyes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not? Did you not hear all this stuff about Australia? I mean, Jesus Christ! Give the guy a break. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, speaking of bad reviews, let's. Uh, I, I do want to explore some of the deeper themes here, but. Um Uh, I want to take Roger Ebert to task here for a second, okay? So I think it's fair to say we've got a love-hate relationship with this guy on our podcast. And I've got a bone to pick with this. He's a mixed (laughs) bag. I've got a bone to pick with this guy, okay? So Roger Ebert, in his uh, 1989 review of Weekend at Bernie's, criticises the film because, quote, the comedy requires the other characters to be so stupid as not to notice Bernie is dead. (laughs) Okay? So... Uh, my question is, uh, what if this is the point of the film? So Larry and Rich yeah, yeah, Larry and Rich are too innocent and dumb to be accused of Bernie's murder. Uh, Bernie himself can't be viewed a- as a victim or at least uh, as an audience member. We don't give him any sympathy for being killed. Um, so instead, the social criticism of the film is aimed squarely at the Hamptons crowd, whose, uh, you know, their self-indulgences and self-obsessions make them uh, ob- oblivious to Bernie's situation. And uh, and like you said, Astro, money doesn't lie. You know, the film was successful. Uh, it, it made a shit ton of money. And um, in the film, neighbours come and go from Bernie's house, they drink his alcohol, they borrow his boat, they mooch off him left and right. Um, And implied in all of this is that that Bernie is one of those people and would acting in in exactly the same way, Uh, he'd be equally unaware of the the neighbours, you know, if his neighbour had died next door, you know. So it's unlikely that the intended audience for Weekend at Bernie's Chardonnay-sipping elites that spend their summers in the Hamptons, you know, (laughs) or write film columns for the Chicago Sun-Times, you know. So the intended audience for this film are people that identify with Larry and Rich. percent
2: Well, he sort of put that, but they put the, you can hear all the interactions at the party. They're talking about book reviews and cars and plays and Harvard and, he sort of put the critics in the movie mm-hmm. in, to, to a certain degree. Like he's got something like that if you listen to ADR in the background and stuff, they're talking about, there's these sort of posh reviewers talking about theatre and whatnot. And so, you know, I think that, that that that's very much what, yeah, this movie is a a movie of the people.
1: And it's one of those films, like the best of their kind. Like it gets to, you know, have its cake and eat it, as it were, because it, it, it works on both ends of the spectrum. It's like, if you want to just watch it and be like, well, you know, they get away with this because, as you say, Richard and Larry are done. You can watch it at that surface level and just enjoy it for what it is. But if you want to, as you say, dig a little deeper, if you want to question why the rich and famous aren't, you know, noticing the fact that Bernie's clearly dead, it does come back to that critique on the fact of, you know, the self absorbed nature of the rich and famous of the US in the 80s. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it's, it's surprising maybe that he didn't see it for what it was. Mm. But, you know, but I think a lot of people probably are happy to watch that film and wistfully kind of ignore the, the social commentary that's going on below the surface and just kind of enjoy Larry and Richard's hijinks. Do you yeah? think
2: we, we, we like them because they're middle class and they have ambition and they're, they're working, you know, at the beginning they're working overtime and they're trying to get ahead in this me generation? Uh, they're sort of fighting consistency. Do you think that, that like, is a, one of the drivers of the
0: why, of why we like them? For sure, yeah. The way the film opens with them, you know, going to work on a really hot summer's day in New York and and you know, they look tired but they're still pushing on. Wasn't
4: it wasn't on a Sunday.
0: Yeah, yeah. So on the weekend, Saturday don't or Sunday. Do they have a so, weekend at you know, Bernie's? So does a whole week go by? <laughs> it
4: must. They they, they get though. a
0: day at, at Bernie's, don't they? Because no, it's a Labor
4: called, Day. Weekend. But he says come to the week to no, nah, make- I reckon you're right. Astro right. Okay, I think you're
0: right. Is there like
1: is there like a two and a half hour cut of this film? <laughs> <laughs> the first day he goes there, they,
3: he gets killed, hmm. and then it's just it's another day after that. Because uh, but is, it it on is a, a night there,
1: isn't it?
2: Is that what we're saying? Because he, oh, go, oh, he's gonna go? Oh, I'm just trying to get the chronology straight. I know it's important for this
4: movie.
1: I've got to be honest with you guys. I am absolutely sticking with my uh, theory of the two and a half hour weekend of movies. <laughs> <cat, where laughs> it's basically the fundamentally the same film, but after they come in on the Sunday. It's just like 45 minutes of them just having a standard working week before the following actual weekend. Yeah. And, you know, I, it went to test audiences. We're just not sure about this 45-minute section of them just working for a, a solid, you know, Monday to Friday, which is It doesn't make sense,
2: though, because he's got to, we've got to have the date with Gwen. We've got to have the meeting with Vito and the mobsters, you Yeah, know, and there's a there's a lot to get out of the way before mm. we set the table.
1: Well, you, as well, I mean, how long was he playing Monopoly for before they, you know, they, <laughs> we just kind. Catch them <laughs> in the middle of a game,
0: Larry. yeah. Those those Monopoly games can go for hours. <laughs> they,
1: they can. They can. And that was again one of the more questionable moments of the film because all the way through this, you know, the justification, I guess, for them, you know, they, they don't want anyone to find out that uh, Bernie's dead is because they want the party to keep going. Obviously, Richard wants to get into Gwen's lady garments, whatever, and Larry, I assume, just wants to keep living the lifestyle. So they're pretending. Bernie's dead. And I assume that Larry's like, oh, well, I'm going to live this party lifestyle. And the first thing they cut to is him playing Monopoly on his own. I'm like, I don't think this guy has much imagination. I mean, (laughs) Jesus Christ, (laughs) you're in the Hamptons and that's, you know, you've gone to all this effort to get there. And the first thing you do is play a single player version of (laughs) Monopoly. Jesus Christ, dude. I'm I'm so so
3: surprised as well, how quick he goes from, ooh, there's a dead body to, oh, let's keep him around for a weekend. (laughs) yeah like in mind it's just like let's not call it like it, his mind just goes so quickly to i oh, was we'll just we'll make we'll keep him as a puppet <laughs>
4: and kidding? i like that he smells so like in the second film like half an hour into it that's when he starts to smell <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some question marks here over decomposition. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm not a scientist, just to be clear. <laughs> Again, I-, I, I know I'm uh, suggesting that by the end of this film he should be in a slightly oh, worse state than he yeah. is. <laughs> I know
3: we're not covering number two just yet, but there's a question about rigor mortis as well and suitcases and everything yeah. that we can
4: uh, <laughs> but
2: yeah. Well, there's so much about the about death that isn't that they're not covering. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Of whatever's in you comes out. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean. Yeah, that the real in the movie. Like if if it was like people like, oh my god,
1: yeah. And and again, I I've only seen this film once recently. Uh, Is it clearly implied that? name Catherine Parks as tina has sex with the
2: court
1: that's that's what i was gonna speaking of rigor mortis when she
3: comes (laughs) down he's never been better
4: that's all
0: right (laughs) well i i love that scene because it's left to our imagination you know we don't see what what happens in there we 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 just have to imagine what's going on
1: in fairness i think if we did see what was going on there it might have changed the ratings (laughs) i think quite
0: considerably
1: (laughs) i i have
2: a question here and and since we we are from uh, we we're, we're, we're all in the Commonwealth, but we, you know we, we have slightly. I want to get cultural for a second now. I what do you guys think? I think this movie is about a vac- it's a vacation movie. You know now we well, I I've look and maybe our American listeners can l- let us know you know however they like to about this. But when I went to America not, not too long ago, uh, uh, just just prior to COVID, um, did a bit of a trip of America. And the, they get a glint in their eye when they say this word, vaca- we don't have this word vacation. Like they kept saying, like, we, we were on a big trip. Like, and, and you know, uh, they didn't. a lot of the people we deal with did, didn't really understand. They're like, oh, how long's your trip? And we're like, oh, we're away for six weeks. And they were sort of like, they didn't understand, like, how that was even possible. And because um, we're not rich, you know what I mean? We're just like, just going on a bit of a trip. And then they're like, oh, so you're on, you're on vacation. And then we just go, we'd go, Oh no! Just off work, you know, just <laughs> yeah. off work, like on a bit of a holiday, you know. And they like, like, and but they'd go, yeah, vacation, like, like they'd sort of change their voice to Elizabeth Holmes sort of voice, vacation, and like, oh, you're going
1: on vacation. Like, like,
2: what does this word mean? I think it mean. I think it. So, so from the Welsh perspective as well, what what what's your deal with with holidays and vacation? Because this movie is for, I think, for people like a lot of Americans who don't who don't. Get the chance to get away.
3: So, yeah, you have, you have two separate things. So you have like the weekend away. We're just gonna go away for a weekend, and then you have a holiday. We're just gonna go on holiday two weeks, ten days, seven days, whatever it is. But yeah, vacation is is an odd one. I I don't I don't see that as just really like really excited. That word vacation is just think about I've it. Never they've, understood. They've
2: it. made movies about it. Like it's mm. a word. Yeah. It's so, it's so yeah. charged, and you're just like, oh no, we're just sort of having a bit of time off. You know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it's the same, isn't it? Because they call it Christmas vacation as well. So no, no, I, I I totally agree. I feel like there is a different vibe to it. It's 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 some, I, I it's hard to kind of pin down. I think, but it it feels like there is a difference between holiday and vacation, and maybe it is their relationship with holidays or vacations. Because obviously, in America, it, I think it's almost seen as maybe a negative sometimes to go on holiday. You know, they they have like that different work ethic. Almost, it's like, you know, it, it seems to be celebrated if you work yourself into the ground. Whereas we're like, dude, that sounds fucking mental. It's like, if you've got holidays, you take every single day of that holiday, yeah. but they don't. And I don't know, like they, they they have that big attachment to it. As you say, like the whole like vacation movie series. I don't know, is it just implied perhaps that by calling it vacation, that hijinks ensue? Because you know, there's, there's this, there's the vacation series. Would it be the same if they just called this movie, you know, holiday? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? We get annual leave, don't we? We
3: get actual hours over here, but I don't think a lot of Americans do. do they they don't get paid holiday leave. So if it's something that they get to go on, and I realise this movie podcast has turned very, uh, very factual, <laughs> very political, <laughs> yeah. yeah, very factual. Yeah, I've, I've
2: opened up. I've said they can, you know, <laughs> let us know. We don't know anything. I don't know anything about America,
3: uh, I wonder if they I don't get the this. holiday hours. <laughs>
0: it, uh,
3: so they've actually, they lose money whilst being on vacation. Mm. I mean, that's why it's more uh, important for them, I suppose, mm. is the best way to say, yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's all wrapped up in their in their work situation and their work ethic as well. I think that the majority of, of Americans probably can't afford to go on vacation. Yeah, it's a luxury. So, yeah, so vacation movies are, um, you know, are a bit more attractive. But this movie, because the
2: reason these movies exist and this movie, like, exists is because of the, that high the extremism of america which we all love we love their extremism yeah. we love that like you know if you live in in new york you have to live in a, a roach infested infested apartment or you live in trump tower you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nothing in between
1: <laughs> no I, th- I think you're right and I, I don't think this movie necessarily works in the uk and i, I don't want to speak for you guys but possibly in, in australia too because we're not talking about two, like, like schlubs. I mean, these are white-collar workers working in New York City. It's like, over here, you know, if you had the same film and it's two white-collar workers working for an insurance firm in London and the whole film is about them not being able to afford really going on holiday, you'd be like, well, that's fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Of course they can. <laughs> They're white-collar workers from London. <laughs> but in America, they... they and again, very, very much from an 80s perspective, like, you know, Regan era, Bush Sr. and all that jazz is that there was that disconnect. You know, the the wealthy were so wealthy and everyone else was just doing their damnedest to kind of catch up. And that is partly about, you know, I think I mentioned it earlier about their two different approaches to the same goal, essentially. Both are so desperate to get to the top. And Richard's taking the traditional American approach and Larry's taking the, I will do anything and you know, often for the because he's just lazier, I suppose he's just like I just want to get to the top, but I don't have to do all the hard work. Whereas Richard wants to do the hard work because he thinks that's the American narrative. But you know, again, this film is at least partly about the the can the, the do's and don't, sorry the haves and have nots. I'll, I'll learn to speak eventually. And you know, again, it, it it feels very American in that regard.
3: I do love how you said though that it wouldn't work over here in London because they can't go on holiday. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with the fact that they that we'd catch them out by moving a dead body. It's the fact that <laughs> we don't believe that they could afford the holiday hours over
2: here. <laughs> That's so true. That's da- it's so damning. <laughs>
3: Your entire five-minute process then was, no, 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 if they're over in London, it's because. <laughs> like, yeah, we won't believe it because they can't afford a holiday. Not the fact that they cat and a dead body wrong, which is... <laughs>
1: The major <laughs> premise of this film. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's the magic of this film, really, isn't it? You know, it just shifts your but, focus. But look,
2: uh, Ricky, maybe you can speak to this, but but what is the deal with why have they, Because it makes sense in the sequel, but why have they gone with such an aggressive Calypso theme in this first? <laughs> we, we did
0: we did talk about this uh, off air. Um, I I don't know. I guess I guess it's that that. Uh, exotic vacation vibe you know it speaks to i mean there's a whole genre of music that deals with this called exotica music which is all about um now now exotica music was a style of music that existed sort of pre-beatles 1950s and it was basically fake world music that you were supposed to put on as you were lounging by your suburban pool and it was supposed to transport you to tahiti or you know exotic places in the south pacific and um and yeah, it was, it was very escapist. So, uh, I think that's in- injected itself, uh, into American culture at large where, um, yeah, any sort of vacation is underscored with, uh, yeah, with, 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 exotic world music. So you get a lot of calypso music in this, in this film and even more so in Weekend at Moody's too, cause they actually mm. go to, to the uh, American Virgin Islands, but, um, also, you've got Andy Summers who uh, is a member of the police who are famous for kind of ripping off Jamaican and, and Calypso grooves uh, in their music. So can you do that now?
2: Can you just go now? Like if I was like, here's my band now and, like, and I was just doing the like the police, if I was just like doing you know, you know how they just because they do fake Jamaican accents, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not happening. That's not happening <laughs> it's now. Just no. so happening. Isn't well, it? you would need you would need a token uh, a token person of color. In I your couldn't band. just go. You know, mark Dusty it's for money. <laughs>
2: Yeah, walking on the moon, walking yeah. on the moon. Like, kind of just, and then like, I play it for the for for the exec, and they just go, okay, uh, uh, and then they they just immediately call the Hollywood Reporter, and I'm cancelled. <laughs> Done. Yeah.
1: Yes, I'd like to have this going, but I did notice that a lot of you are um, very white. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're not sure if this is going to work out, guys. To be honest. Uh, uh, well, I mean, we live in a world where a girl gets absolutely slaughtered for wearing a kimono to a you know a, a prom. So I'm thinking, you know, uh, uh, us kind of showing up as a group, all speaking or singing in Jamaican accents and being like, "Listen, is this going to work?" I'm I'm going to shoot. But this movie is is
2: is all about it. Like it's it's you know we've got um, Hot and Cold by Jermaine Stewart, and then what's the other one? The other one's called Island Girl burning flames and then the entire score so they hmm. would see it was just a difference in perspective in the 80s they had the view that you know and i'm not saying this is 100 correct but they did they did have the view of oh you know we we live in this one world and and we, and we should share cultures and we should we should explore different cultures and and you know amplify different cultures in the in the best way in in the only way we can and sometimes yeah you know, you get deeply offensive stuff, and then other other times you get we get um you know Graceland, we get like mm. amazing stuff like like in nowadays like yeah we wouldn't it, that's the thing so now they go okay stay in your lane and we would you wouldn't get I wouldn't be able to do my calypso band which is you know that's a
1: shame which is a which is a crime but, <laughs> yeah.
2: but by the same token what that what the people ideologues who believe that. You know, are happy with is, is you, they're happy with no Graceland. They're happy with so that Paul Simon album Graceland, are one of the greatest world music albums ever. They'd be happy for that not to exist. Do you know? And,
0: what and no, no Peter, no Peter Gabriel as well. No Peter Gabriel. Oh
2: yeah, Peter Gabriel. What does he know? I mean, he's obviously a racist, right? And you go, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's he's been pretty pretty. Um, respectful and amazing at the same time.
1: Yeah, well, it's 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 just the way that... It's, it's such a shame that we have to kind of, uh, you know, appeal to the lowest common denominator. It's like everyone, instead of, like you say, using the Graceland example, nowadays the standard would be to use the horrendously racist example at the other end of the spectrum of why we can't have this, rather than you going, but yeah, but look, when it works, it, it's just, it's the it can be amazing. But everyone would be like, yeah, but when it goes wrong, dude, you know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty fucking rough. So... It's it's a shame that the, the conversation has moved to that side of and the fence. And look,
2: and, uh, since we're in this area, I'm not saying that when uh, Larry, you know, finds the note and it says, uh, Richard Parker and I stole this money from the company to pay for my sex change operation. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards yeah. he says, uh, oh, not only is he doing blah, 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 he's, he's turning me into a drag queen. Yep. <laughs> I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying that's good, you know. I'm just saying that... um...
1: But is it... I don't know if it's that big a deal. And and Sorry, it was just you saying his full name. Did anyone else have an issue? Have any of you guys seen um, Life of Pi? No. The movie. I know know this is a shift in conversation, a pretty dramatic turn to the right. But there's a character in that, but the, the, the tiger in the film is called Richard Parker as well. So all I can hear is that Indian accent over and over again, oh, Richard Parker, he's always shouting for this. So how come it's
2: offensive for me to do the Jamaican thing and then you just did Indian?
1: uh, Yes, is that offensive? It's weird. I I was trying to explain this to a friend recently. It it seems to be certain accents are acceptable. No, 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 the rule is simple.
2: The rule is simple. It's it's you're only allowed to be. If you want to do a Russian accent, you can you can be the most offensive. You can just say, talk about the Kremlin, how you're going to kill everyone. You can you can just be the worst guy ever, or probably South African as well. And that's from that's from the old days. And uh, now, uh, but if you do anything else, you know, um, then uh, it's beyond the pale.
1: But you're telling me I can't do my (laughs) Jamaican accents whenever I (laughs) want. (laughs) Is that what you're trying it's to say? <laughs> I <laughs> want
2: people to understand it's that. Absolutely rad I <laughs> I love it. See, that's the thing. I want people to understand it's a wicked accent. And that's why it's, I desperately kind of wish I had that Jamaican accent a bit. <laughs>
4: uh,
1: I mean, it would be so much fun to just, just speak in a Jamaican
4: <laughs> accent. Oh, Please. And
1: that's
3: From the now thing on, I, Cycloped Cinema to- would be such a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just Jamaican
0: for hey, all. At all. Don't, don't you guys in the UK have something called Jafakin? A Jaffaican, yeah.
1: I'm not aware of Jaffaican. No, I thought. I feel like I thought it, that it, it was sounds like, like a, something I would love.
0: Yeah, I, I, need to, I need to, I need to check this out. But no, Jafaken. but isn't, isn't this like an, yeah, it's an a, affected? It's, it's, it's a Londoner. It's London so.
3: English, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jaffaican is the is the London English. Yeah. So it's uh, just doing a quick Google now. Multicultural London English is a socialist of English that emerged in the late twentieth century. So it's basically all the people that came over from Jamaica. Mm. And we've just carried it on by the sounds mm. of it in some of the... London uh, see, the,
1: the, the problem with that is that any attempt to do that suggests it would take some kind of subtlety. Uh, my, my, my impressions are pretty broad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, it, it's just going to be Jamaica. I'm not going to be doing London, Jamaica, just vaguely Jamaica. You know? But so, AJ, yeah, do, do you
2: think, so um, you know, maybe I should start doing the Jamaican accent?
4: Yeah, yeah. I do. Oh, good. I think lean in. What <laughs> oh, you mean? Lean you you in. mean
1: indefinitely? And
2: welcome to
4: sad boob cinema.
1: And you know when you do that voice? I just did this.
2: I was ju- I was sort of like like jumping up and down a little bit, like sort of jo- like you know, like I was you know, it gave me a lot of energy. So I think it could it could really work out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I
4: think we would be up for a good time. Yeah. No, I, I
1: think. <laughs> Yeah, I think certain accents, you just kind of naturally change the style. I'm pretty sure whenever I do a South African accent, I immediately just look meaner. (laughs) I think it's just a thing I do. (laughs) I just associate with them. I'm just like, well, it's just in my head, like, you know, we obviously we live across the other side of the world. So my association with South Africans is that they're just all villains in movies. Like, that's it.
2: I was waiting for that. So,
1: yeah, basically Lethal Weapon 2. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and and hard target. Oh, oh yeah, hard
1: target. Arnold. Hard target. Yeah. <laughs> so I have stuff. the issue now that you know my way into a South African accent is totally associated now with District District Nine. Mm. So I've got to start every sentence with Braun. I've got to say, prawn before I can say anything else. You know, it's it's a very strange thing. I think everyone has their own way into terrible accents. So yeah, yeah, my, mine is prawns. Very odd.
2: <laughs> well, uh, I well, we, we probably should start bringing in number two, perhaps. Um, oh, please, little, please, please. Oh, please, oh yeah. Wait, this please. this feels
1: like the perfect time. Are there are it? there
2: any bits and pieces from this first one that anyone wants to remember, uh, just throw in there? Uh,
0: I I want to talk about my favorite part of one of my favorite parts of the first movie is the kid.
2: I knew you I, I knew the kid was going to come
0: up. Yes. I love I love a shitbag kid that that <laughs> pulls the finger that swears uh when when he when he starts burying Bernie for the second time okay, at the okay. end of the film. Okay, Ricky. I just lost it. And it I loved it.
2: Okay, so the kid goes so the kid like you know raises them up and runs <laughs> away and then he goes he turns back to them uh, Larry and Richard and he goes How'd you like to kiss this? And then he, thinks, <laughs> yes. he points to his butt, and then um, Larry goes, "Kiss my ass." <laughs> Doesn't he
1: say as well? Like it gets pretty dark, right? I'm pretty sure he says, "I'm going to rip your gums out." Yes. I was like, "God damn, that's pretty, that's pretty up. I mean, that kid's. That, don't get me wrong, that kid is clearly a terror, but I'm not sure that would be my opening response to an group. <laughs>
2: Uh, um, I wanted to mention. Now, this is look. You know, I think this might even be, be inappropriate because you know we don't know each other very well. But I think that um, uh, with Bernie and Tina, uh, like chicks grabbing crankshafts and the guy going, oh, <laughs> like, that'll <laughs> yeah. always be funny. I, don't I agree. Know.
1: I I don't agree. think?
2: Like, what the hell is yeah. that? It's like, it's like, it's, it's something that, like, she's going straight for like, and you no, know, and she, she uses her foot and really smushes yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> AJ, did you notice?
4: I, of course, I noticed. Frank loved it.
2: <laughs>
4: it's so good but like it's something
2: about a woman like you know just like like just moving too far it. moving too fast and and the guy going oh like.
4: <laughs> especially when a dude's sitting next to her i wasn't prepared for this <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that's rock
0: and roll uh, just just quickly before we move on i've got a little bit of trivia on the first film here okay.
3: um the only thing i wanted to mention sorry before we go into the trivia about the first one was how hot. Must it be in New York to melt the tar on the roof?
2: Hmm.
4: <laughs> I really felt hot from watching. Yeah, it. I really
3: did. I thought they really yeah.
4: sold it to me. But this was, the, god, that like, looks so
3: uncomfortable. I've never, I've never come across just a hot day that has melted the road.
0: <laughs> well, actually, that sometimes happens in Australia, yeah, where, where, where you have to shut down, you have to shut down the trains because uh, the train tracks and and the surrounding kind of uh, bitumen melts yeah
3: oh that's my welsh head
1: where it just there's nothing but rain over here then that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're living in a world where it's like it's 27 degrees and we all start just kind of passing out immediately i was like you're talking to australians who i, I mean i've run the numbers how, how many miles is it you live from the sun like seven or eight it's a ridiculous country I mean, some of the temperatures you guys have to deal with are outrageous oh uh, uh. Again, very quick, I just, because, uh, sorry, you guys have this obviously much longer history with um, with the film growing up with it. Like, what is the view on Catherine Mary Stewart, uh, Gwen Saunders, is it Gwen Saunders, the character? Um, it, it's, you know, did everyone have a, like a crush on her growing up?
2: Yeah, well, I, I didn't really know her very well, Like, but I, I, I must say just as a bit of, uh, uh, you know, she's also in another movie we've watched uh, called The Beach Girls. So... Ah. She, she plays oh. one of the um the the beach bunnies in that movie, but she seemed just like a a wasp, you know, sort of like one of these these eighties, yeah, sort of sweater over the shoulder wasp mm. chicks, you know, that like
1: yeah yeah well that that was the thing like watch it like you know when I was growing up I think of like a lot of the kind of crushes I had were like. Phoebe Cates, Elizabeth, Elizabeth shoes. People like that. I'm
2: still waiting for Rebecca De Mornay to come over to my house with the wind machine blowing. You know, like I want, (laughs) I want that. You know, that's what what I want. You know,
3: the only thing I remember Catherine Mary Stewart from, uh, which I actually enjoyed her, was the last Starfighter. That That was the uh, the Mm. one for me. Yeah, she was great.
0: Uh, so believe it or not, the the scene when when Bernie is water skiing, <laughs> that 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 is not that is not a, a dummy body. That is a stunt man. Okay, oh, wow. now a stunt man he broke several ribs when filming that scene. Okay, and my question is, yeah, couldn't they have used a mannequin of some sort? Like that just seems fucking crazy to me. Um, well,
1: I think the answer to that is almost immediately responsible like. Weekend of Bernie's 2, they they go the full mannequin route. And of course, they have to for certain circumstances, i.e. the fridge and the suitcase. Mm. But it's another one of those things that I think makes the second film look quite shonky by comparison. It's just like, it's so clearly a mannequin. Mm. But, you know, they go that extra mile in the first mm, film, for sure. you know? And I think it makes a difference. They grab a stunt double to play dead whilst dragging him along
3: the the water. I mean, I do agree. Maybe a mannequin might have been a bit
1: better. <laughs>
0: yeah. For
1: sure, I do. I, I think I honestly, I think it's the little details which elevate this film. You know, this is a this is a Ted Kotcheff film. So you're no saying fucking rant. You're saying broken ribs worth it. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I I might have felt differently, as I said, if I hadn't just watched Weekend and Bernie's 2 with all those terrible, like with the bits with like the um, when he's on the like he's pretending to be a horse or whatever it is, and you know you can just. <laughs> Totally
4: see
0: that as a man. It's just the worst. Weekend at Bernie's 2 is knocking at the door.
4: Ricky, come on.
0: It is. Just let it in. Just let it in. So, uh, two men once pulled a real life weekend at Bernie's and were arrested for abusing a corpse. In 2011, Robert Young and Mark Robinson found their friend Jeffrey Jarrett unresponsive at his home. Instead of calling 911, they took him out for a night of fun, all paid for with Jarrett's credit card. Including visiting a strip club where they used Jarrett's card to take out four hundred dollars from the ATM. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they swore that they didn't know their friend was dead at the time, but they both pled guilty <laughs> and were each given two years of probation as well as community service. <laughs> so that seems like a a, a very small uh, sentence for such a irresponsible thing to do. Like like. He could have still been alive when they first found him like like call 911 you know
1: mm-hmm. Do you think maybe they got away with like? Do you think the the, the sentence was reduced just for the sheer ambition of it? <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. probably. I mean, don't get me wrong, they broken a lot of a lot of laws, but I mean, fair play to those guys. I can't believe they went through <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you know?
0: <laughs> the the judge the judge must have been a weekend at Bernie's fans.
3: The major question, the major question about all of that is, how did they get his pin number? <laughs> I don't know. Like they took money out of the ATM.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good
4: point. Good point. We, we clearly haven't got all the details. May, here, maybe so. they just
0: fudged it. They just went, Oh, what's his we we know his birth date. It must be that.
4: Or it's or <laughs> yeah, 6969, six, like at my dad's. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my god. I mean it's a ballsy move, I'd be able to give like your own <laughs> pin number away online, but to just randomly give away other people's
3: Yeah. I love mean, I love, I love the pride that your dad probably said now. Oh, I love well. that like what my pin number is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he <laughs> probably winks at you every time he puts puts the number in
1: you know like you know like you're at a cash machine and most people like pretty careful about making sure people behind can't see where I'd just be like clearly standing out the way I like making full <laughs> eye contact is like in six nine six nine <laughs> really slowly really intense
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh... I
1: get I get Rob blind in no time, but I feel like it'd be worth it. Just for life. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, shall we do weekend at Bernie's too? Hit me.
4: Oh please. Are you sure?
1: Yep, At ten america's
3: favorite stiff is back that's bernie lomax i recognize that smirk anywhere but this corpse has a job to do i found this in bernie's rod it's a key to a safety deposit box in saint thomas
2: that's
4: the two million bucks that lomax stole
3: it's noted as a personal entry what does it
4: mean the only one
3: who could get in is bernie lomax personally and well he's kind of dead right now we go back to the morgue we get the body
4: we go to st thomas take bernie to the bank so they're packing him up I think I'm going to sit down. Thanks. Get in there. And heading for the islands. Whoa.
1: Whoa out.
3: But they're about to discover raise this man from the
4: dead. He will lead you to where he has hidden the money. that Bernie Lomax is more popular than ever.
2: Two guys. They're taking Bernie.
4: He's in the fridge,
3: where we put him. You
4: are
3: in the power of the movie. You
4: were supposed to be here guarding Bernie. Why would I have to guard a dead man stuck in a two-foot refrigerator? He's got style. Where is he now? He's so cute. He's got charm. How did you happen to meet old Bert? In the conga line. He's just got no soul. I just saw a dead man walking
3: on the bottom of the ocean. Uh-oh. But that never stopped Bernie. Go! He's dead. Don't
4: worry about it. Oh. From being in the life of the party.
1: See, Arlen, he's not afraid
4: of you. You're the bravest guy I've ever met. Weekend at Bernie's too. No one does dead like Bernie.
0: Let me okay, the boys are back. Larry and Rich pick up where they left off. Only this time with loads of fake tan. The film opens with the boys making a positive identification of Bernie's body at a downtown New York City morgue. Larry claims to be Bernie's nephew so that he can get some of Bernie's possessions, including his Rolex watch and his credit cards. Later that day at the insurance company, Larry and Rich are quizzed by their bosses and an internal investigator about the whereabouts of the missing $2 million. They deny knowing where the money is. Their boss, not believing a word they say, promptly fire the two and sends the investigator, Arthur Hummel, played by Barry Bostwick, off to prove their guilt. Meanwhile, in the Virgin Islands, a voodoo queen named Mobu is hired by mobsters to find the two million dollars that Bernie stole. She sends two servants, Harry and Charles, played by Steve James and Tom Wright, to New York to get Bernie's body, perform a voodoo ceremony to reanimate him and bring him back to her so he can lead her to the money. Their attempts to bring Bernie back to life are plagued by accidents. They prepare the ceremony, but having lost the sacrificial chicken, use a pigeon instead. This somehow limits Bernie's ability to walk towards the hidden money. He can only move when he hears music. A great way for the filmmakers to inject a shitload of Caribbean flavoured music into the film. Uh, Harry and Charles later lose Bernie on the subway. Over dinner, Larry reveals to Rich that he has a key to a safety deposit box located in St. Thomas in the US Virgin Islands. Larry convinces Rich to borrow Bernie to gain access to the safety deposit box. The two find Bernie and after stuffing him in a small suitcase, they leave for the Virgin Islands. The guys successfully use Bernie uh, to open his safety deposit box but find no money. Instead, they find a handwritten map. Meanwhile, Larry befriends a lovely local girl named Claudia, played by Troy Bayer, and enlists her help in making sense of the map, which she takes possession of to show her father. Later, Larry and Rich are captured by Henry and Charles, who take them to Mobu, the voodoo queen. They force Rich to drink a poisonous potion and tells him that they must find the map by sundown to get the antidote. After being reunited with Claudia, they are shocked to discover that Bernie is moving and realise he's leading them towards the two million. To keep him moving, they put a walkman with headphones on his head. Bernie finds a large chest in the ocean, but he does not let go of it. They end up attaching Bernie to a horse carriage with music playing. After some terrifying out-of-control moments, eventually the carriage ends up at Mobu's place. Bernie hits a large tree branch and spins out of control, knocking out Mobu and dropping the chest, which breaks open onto the ground. Larry hides some of the money and gives the remaining amount to Hummel the investigator. With Mobu knocked out, Claudia's father, a medical doctor familiar with voodoo, says that he can cure Rich if he can get the blood of a virgin, which Larry confesses he can provide. The mobsters and Mobu are arrested. Larry confesses to Rich that he returned the $2 million to the insurance company, but only after learning Bernie actually stole $3 million. Larry and Richard use some of the remaining million to purchase a yacht crewed by smoking hot blondes. Meanwhile Bernie is last seen leading Henry and Charles who have been transformed into goats by voodoo through a carnival parade to an unknown fate. Hey you guys, are what the fuck? This movie, honestly. <laughs> I mean,
3: the first thing to say about about
0: this is
3: it's really good to see that the Matrix Reloaded got the idea from the rave scene from this. <laughs> like, when Henry and Charles are rocking up, I could have sworn that they were in what was the Zion? I think it's called Zion. Yeah, yeah, it's Zion. <laughs>
1: it's ridiculous And that in their weird under what was it underground orgy dance. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. a pretty bizarre scene. Appearance.
0: Well, this film is is so much. Uh, it's much more. Cartoony than the first one, and it even yeah. the, the movie even opens with the, the opening credits is a cartoon mm. oh, of them. I knew around. I'd hate it
1: straight away. Like, as soon as I saw that horrible intro sequence, it, it reminded me. Remember, um, City Slickers, it, mm. it, it had a very similar intro, it seemed to be a thing in the early 90s, and I never liked them. No. and this one is a really bad one, yeah. And it, like you say, it immediately gives you the vibe that this is going to be a much cartoonish take on you know, a pretty cartoonish premise. But they tried, at least in the first one, to kind of. You know, give you an excuse for these things happening. It's like you know, uh, Richard always is like, I'm not into this anymore. And then Gwen keeps showing up. They they just abandon all that. And to my mind, what it reminded me of is remember all those like films from the eighties, like you know, RoboCop, Beetlejuice. They all ended up with their own like usually ill advised cartoon shows, which would yes. kind of sit alongside them. It felt like they had a script for a cartoon, like a Saturday morning thing, and then mm-hmm. they just turned it into a movie instead. It, yeah. it's, it's so bizarre.
2: It did seem like a, like a pitch for, for that series, you know, like, like an animated mm, series. Yeah, yeah. Stranger things have happened.
1: Well, what
3: he said about uh, that he was a virgin at the end, because he made a joke in the first one about uh, Larry made a joke in the first, after she came down from the old rigamortis mortis sex. Uh, Larry made a joke of, if I lie there, I get in trouble. Like, why would he make that joke? He's a liar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know he's a liar, but he's making himself seem bad. He saying that. So he's pretending that he's not a virgin in the first one by making mm. him sound like he's a shit lover. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> but we, we've discussed that Larry is... Uh, a terrible human being and (laughs) um, he is off the chain in this movie. His language is much more callous and crude as well. Like he says, like in this one, he says, he just says straight up, like you don't hear this in in movies uh, anymore. I know exactly what you're going to say. You know what I'm going to say? He says, Oh oh my God, look at the tits on that one. (laughs) (laughs) The tits on that one. Do you know what I mean? That is crazy.
3: And Richard, as soon as he hears that, he's like, he's, he's trying to be all business as soon as he hears that. No, 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 I'll abandon everything I'm going to do to come out and stare as well. It's just, it's...
1: <laughs> yeah. He, he, he actually has a few lines, which I like, that was like the top one. Down, but it was like really in the film, like early in the film, he says, oh, yeah, he was really raping the company right under your nose. I was like, God, that damn. was my,
2: that was my <laughs> second uh, uh, quote I was going to mention. He's really raping the company. He also disrespects other cultures. He just totally doesn't care about mm. the voodoo. Like, he's no. just, like, picking up the stuff
1: and <laughs> yeah. saying, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and it's always followed by that weird, goofy laugh, which wasn't really present in the first film. Mm. And yeah. and I think you mentioned it earlier. Somehow they've made him look weird. It's, it's hard to kind of put my finger on it, but he just looks weird in this film. Uh,
0: well, first of all, it's the fake tan, but I think also it's yeah. the four years between mm. the first one. You know, yeah, they, they just don't look... They, they've aged, you know.
1: Yeah, like, I think he was, like, pushing the boundary, but he definitely had that kind of, like, fresh face thing going on in the first one. Like, he still very much felt, like, you know, the Brat Pack kid kind of thing. But in this film, like, at somewhere in between 1989 and 1993 or whatever it was, he just very much became an adult, but he's still trying to play off that he's that fresh-faced kid. And yeah. I, I think the fact, you know, you mentioned the fact that he's so much more crass. It feels even worse coming from what appears to be a full-grown adult. And it's just, I, I just don't think it works. Although it does lead to the line, swim the fish you zombie bastard. So I'm willing to give him a free pass after a certain <laughs> so, yeah. of all the things, Of all the things in this film that
3: make him just an insane person, we've already said, like an awful person, it's the fact that he eats crisps or potato chips out of the fridge.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Like, what the fuck are they doing in the fridge? Oh,
3: my God. (laughs) uh, (laughs) You absolute animal.
2: Like, potato chips or crisps, as we call them. Add that to the list, though. He commits fraud. He forges. (laughs) He steals. And he's he's frankly building up to a rape, you know? (laughs) He's clearly,
1: clearly. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I I get the impression that if he was that if he was more physically imposing, I I think rape would have occurred. I mean, it was it was going down that route, wasn't it? Uh,
2: AJ, mm. what do you think of his sex pest lies? <laughs> oh. You know, no, like he, he said, the old, what about the old? <laughs> oh, you sound so
1: sad. <laughs> and rightly so. And rightly so.
2: What about the old, you know, paying and hashtag complicit? The taxi driver is involved oh, in yeah. sexual crime.
4: He wanted that extra 20.
2: Yeah. So he's like, yeah, to take off down the road because I'm, this is Harvey Weinstein stuff. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. He says shit. Like, I remember how, how all that shit Harvey says. He says he says like you know. We'll go down and get your jacket and don't let li- don't leave. Like he's got all these little little t- tips and tricks to try and you know ensure that you come up and then he'll po- come out with the robe on, you know, and say, "Give me a it's, rub down." It's nasty.
1: Mm. But like you said, the taxi drivers. I mean, he's basically said to him, "It's like here's twenty dollars." To drive away from a uh, sex crime, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what's going to happen. But yeah, that that whole scene is just super creepy. Super creepy. Richie
3: is a sex pessimist as well. Like the conga dance line. Like, could he have been any further up that woman as he's trying to <laughs> dance? <laughs> <that>? <laughs> he, do,
1: he is. Ve- he is very crotch forward though. I did notice that. I was like, all right, we get it. It's a conga line, but it's like nobody's crotch needs to be that far in front of them. It's just completely
0: unnecessary. Well, speaking of dancing, I think one of the the, the funny elements of this film is Bernie's physicality with the Absolutely. dancing is, is really, really funny. And it actually spawned a dance craze. If you don't know, I think in, 2011 or maybe it's 2006. I don't have it in my notes here, but there was a dance craze. Uh, with a, a rapper coming out with a song called "Move Like Bernie," and it's uh, it's spawned it spawned a whole lot of so uh, like U- early YouTube videos of people dancing like Bernie, and even even some prominent NFL stars in America when they do their touchdown actually did the Bernie move a few times. So
1: see, and the great thing I feel like there's room for kind of scope for improvement there. Like if I was say if I was in the NFL. I score a touchdown. I don't just do the the basic Bernie dance. What I do is I lay face down in the first. And for the first, say, 20 seconds, it's all ass. It's just all (laughs) ass. I'm just just doing that little wiggle that he does back and forth as I slowly get to my feet. Already, it's got like 60 seconds in, it's still mostly me just (laughs) waving my back. It's got very weird. The stadium doesn't know how to deal with it. It does look like Bernie invented the twerk, doesn't it, in that one?
2: But, but that's the thing. I feel like he's getting no credit for the, the, the for popularizing the twerk. Like like because that move is um, you know uh, a TikTok uh, standard. You know what I mean? Like like and 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 here we have, you know, back in the day, like I don't even know what a 1993 audience would make of that. They'd go, oh, he's shaking his bottom. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that. Like, might be, like yeah, that's yeah. why because we we're all listening to Sir Mix a Lot going like because ass wasn't as massive like as it is like now we are we are in the era of the ass okay this is like 80s was we can all we can all agree on that for sure yeah Mm -hmm. yeah 80s was titties so like when so that's why so mix a lot song was bigger it was like oh look it's all about butts you know (laughs) but 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 shake it (laughs) good bernie's shaking his butt because because that's if you look at, like, like, what does Richard look at? He's he's looking at the chick with the long blonde hair and, like, her big bazoongas is what he's looking at, you know? <laughs> I, I feel like I've lost my point. <laughs>
1: no, I, I think I, there is that kind of, uh, especially with 80s films, like, there's always that totally unnecessary boob scene. Like, even in this film, like, the scene on the beach, when it goes past, it's like... Well, yeah, I guess you can make an argument either way. But, you know, it might not narratively be required, should we say. But they, they always snuck them in. It's like we always say it's like Die Hard. Is there a reason for that, you know, that weird sex scene right at the start of the film? I mean, maybe in this film, you know, there's a lot of girls on the beach. But still, if somebody's looked at our script and said, listen, we've got to get some titties out at some point. We just have to. And, you know, they're play to them. They make it work.
2: Mm. Well, look, I, I just want to go back to something I said at the beginning and get your guys' ideas. because. You, I I honestly think now what well, was struck by we we slammed the movie, but you know Oscar Wilde once said that all bad poetry is sincere, and um, well,
1: I think <laughs> I think I was wondering if we could get a cultural aside <laughs> into Weekend of Bernie Suit, and sir, <laughs> you have achieved
2: it. <laughs> I think that there is genuine craft in this movie, you know, and I, and I they didn't set out to make a bad movie, and. Um, I can see some some stuff in the script that is is quite innovative and clever in in, in and of itself. Like the, um, uh, I think Bernie's voodoo walk or dance is a, a interesting uh, sort of left field. Uh, evolution of the first film i think that um charles and henry um uh, our our two the other two guys um in the movie steve james and the other guy uh they've been cursed and they're going to turn into uh, you know and then they're sort of like a a shadow plot they're kind of two other two new idiots mm-hmm. like shadowing the main thread of our other our main idiots uh they bring a new flavor uh it it also you know we shift we lose that satire as you said uh, uh, Liam but we all but what we gain is it becomes a treasure hunt do you know what I mean and that's probably why the, uh, this film is a bit different but but the last thing I'll say is I think that I like the attitude of this movie I I think that you know it turns up the heat because you know the, to be frank the first one isn't Caddyshack you know what I mean we've said the first one there's more that the first one feels mm, slicker and better and somehow a little bit more on point but Ultimately, it's not Ghostbusters or Caddyshakes. So we're not trampling over some, something that, you know, we're, it's not like we're adding a new verse to Hey Jude. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. so <laughs> uh, the attitude of this movie is very different, and that's why I don't care. It's got this sort of Jason X quality, this sort of like bonkers uh, uh, po- posture that I think um, is they're just going 100%. Mm. What do we think?
3: There's two things to mention, isn't there, in, in this? The first, that we've already said off air, that if you think of Weekend at Bernie's, if anyone mentions it, a lot of people would probably think of the stuff that happens in number two, like the music, making him walk and everything like that. And the second thing would be, would you want to watch an, a sequel that was basically the same as the first one, where they're just cat and a dead or the fact that now this is completely different, and he's walking on his own with the help of voodoo. Mm. You know, it's, it's, as you said, <laughs> left field. It's just totally gone.
0: <laughs> well, what's, what's interesting is in the first movie, their big problem is getting Bernie to move around. How do we get him to move? But in the second movie, the problem is how do we get him to stop moving? You know, he keeps going missing <laughs> on his own. Like, how do we stop that, you know? That's
2: great. That's great. An inversion. Well, when do you think about it? This movie is an auteur picture, okay. This is Robert Klein, the writer of the first movie. This is written and direct. This is unfilm de Robert Klein. Okay. <laughs> this is this is his vision. He's he's like finally got Kotchip out of the way. Now I can get down to business. So what you're seeing in this movie is his vision, okay? And it's Bernie twerking on the beach. Uh,
1: yeah, apparently <laughs> so. I mean, I, I disagree with nearly everything you said, but <laughs> I mean, no, no you, you you, kind of almost kind of won me over there because I actually, I actually think this film was appallingly like bad, like really bad. I found that, as I said, because I, I was kind of low key falling in love with Andrew McCarthy by the end of the first <laughs> film, and then to have that ripped away by just him just being horrendous in the second film. But I mean, one, they kind of painted themselves into a corner because Bernie very much is dead, and you know how do you bring him back again? And they're like, "Well, I, it's going to have to be voodoo, I guess." And then,
2: you know- <laughs> but that was always the, the you know it, we, we we've covered a few other films, "Marked for Death," "Serpent and Rainbow." Uh, the, the, voodoo was on, on the cards. It was like it was it was absolutely- definitely something mm-hmm. you could go to. The uh,
3: the question when it comes to the voodoo, the question I have is: Would the fried chicken have worked?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, it's still maybe. a chicken,
3: as Steve James said. It's still yeah. a chicken, like would well, that have worked? Mm.
2: Maybe, maybe. Well, because the, but the premise of the movie is built upon their idea that they used a pigeon, so they used a pigeon, and that's why they, they blew it, you know. So if they use the well, the chicken's got to be alive, but he would have done like sort of like the different types of kryptonite. He would have done something different. Do you know what I mean? Like if it had been the fried chicken, it would have been, it would have, I don't know, like he, he would have been crawling on the ground or something or whatever.
1: I mean, already you can see how different the conversation is for, the, for this film. It, it's insane how different it is. We're far from I, I, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah but I, I, think, I think he made like a great point earlier. The fact that like, like I was watching this as a sequel to the first film. And I think that is a mistake because if you do watch it, as you say, almost as like a, a rat race kind of film, as like a caper, it does work a lot better. You know, if you just kind of abandon any association to the real world, any association with common sense, and it's playing for like broader laughs, I'm like, maybe maybe there there is a reason that people have a fondness for this film, despite this the is, fact that it's a bit is,
2: It's. Well, I suppose we're also talking about... Uh, you know, where ideas come from and how they change and evolve because, you know, we have the the burden of knowledge, as Steven Pinker says, you know, and basically we can't imagine a film, we can't imagine a world without Weekend and Bernie's. So <laughs> 10 minutes after Absolutely. Weekend and Bernie's came out and people were dressing up as him and putting the sunnies on and doing whatever and talking about it, that's why you've got the cartoon at the beginning of the second one is because... It's four years of people talking about this movie and, and you know, laughing and joking and sneering and, you know, and secretly watching it on cable and whatever. And therefore, it sort of builds this life of its own. And it, and then at least the people uh, who were part of one of the, the main guy, uh, the producer and the writer of the first one who are on this film, sometimes... You know we we get these these uh, these ideas change. It's like Ghostbusters. So in Ghostbusters, you know it's a, it's a business film you know about how to start a ghostbusting business, you know what I mean? And um, you know it's very grounded and whatnot. And you know one of the one of the ghosts they meet is this you know terrifying green slime monster call. Cool. And then cut to the second movie, the, the slime monster's fucking driving a bus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And then cut absolutely. to now, cut cut to now, and there's a Mrs. Slimer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. a cartoon. In the fucking cartoon, Slimer's one of the Ghostbusters.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I, I was someone we were talking about on a recent podcast as well.
2: This is a common thing, a common idea that these these execs have. They go, Oh, well, you know I you know why they love Slimer. You know why they love Slimer. <laughs> so anyway, Slimer's on the bunny and, and no one's in the room to say, okay, do you understand Slimer was just one ghost that like they attacked and he wasn't he doesn't need to be part of no, no, no. So anyway, Slimer's he's one of the Ghostbusters now. He's one of the Ghostbusters. And you say, No, is he? Is he?
1: <laughs> <laughs> is he really? I, I think a lot of these like, they do become a victim of their own success. I and mean, we we're saying that with um when we we're doing the Karate Kid podcast, it's like Pat Morita. it's like he's he's just become this kind of caricature of like wax on, wax off and stuff. And you go back and watch the first film, and you're like, it's actually a really nuanced performance. But yeah. because he's become such a cultural phenomenon, by now it's just those kind of like key moments. Like the, and you just say, I think line. it's the same with this film. Yeah, 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 yeah Exactly. It's you know, just it was become Bob Simpson, the, the
2: line thing.
1: Yeah, like in popular culture, by that point, it's just like, listen, people just want to see bernie walking around and being dead and it's just like well listen if we add the voodoo that we can do that for a solid hour and a half and that's exactly what they did. Liam, just because i didn't like the karate
3: kid on that podcast you don't have to push it again for other people
1: <laughs> i mean yeah I, I, you're still wrong and i'm still very upset but i'll, I'll get it
0: <laughs> let's talk about the investigator Arthur Hummel. Oh, I wanted to. Very Bostwick. Like, oh yep. my,
1: for the fact that he's a
3: terrible investigator. <laughs> <laughs> the
4: worst. And
0: and he and he also uh loves a good upskirt as well. Oh, loves it. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Just a, just in case you
1: weren't sure how horrendous he is. He's like I'm going to get a couple of upskirts as well. Yep.
0: But yeah. But how they
3: didn't know he was on the same uh buses them going to. Do.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. I picked that straight. As soon as I saw that I was like, "Oh my god, how do they not know he's on the bu- on the bus, you know?"
1: Yeah, it's like he wants to get caught. It's like when he breaks into his house, it's mm-hmm. like he, he he goes into the window, which he's sitting next to. Yeah, he's asleep, but he goes right past him. He then shines a light directly into his face as if to say, dude, seriously, I want to get caught. I, I don't know. And it, then he uses what can only be described as the loudest camera of all time. It, it, yeah, his whole <laughs> performance. <laughs> is than and I'm not sure if it's even really needed, but you know, that's the kind of film it. <laughs>
2: um well look you've already mentioned a couple of things i need to run through a quite a a lengthy list of of me too uh issues Mm. from both films and perhaps you can just jump in when something takes your fancy so you know this is the rap sheet of these movies uh we'll talk about the, the the rating a bit later but so in the first movie it, you know, they start, they start, but this is just, an. It's, actually, this is not barely, this is not really on the Me Too. Well, maybe it is a bit, a bit, a bit on there, but there's an ADR line in the first movie. Uh, I don't know if you guys listen to it on headphones. A guy's walking past in the background on Gwen and uh, Richard's date, and he's talking to what I assume is a woman of the night uh, and says to her, uh, Baby, you, you're not a woman. C- come on, t- tell me the truth. <laughs> so there's a little bit of um, trans. Um, transphobia. Well, you know, phobia. He seems to be into it. I don't know. Like, you know, I'm just saying there's trans (laughs) stuff going on. Uh, Larry leers at Gwen on the way to the elevators, uh, chuckling and raising eyebrows. Um, Did you? This is the very first of the first movie. Uh, You know, Larry's just like because you can't, you can't just walk around like staring at people, and then when they look at you like funny, just like go "Mm," like raise your eyebrows like suggestively. Like that's we don't do that. Uh, (laughs) No, No, we don't she's a summer intern um they talk about her like that like she'll be gone in a week like you know it's a hit and run operation you know what i'm saying um there's an assault in the elevator i think um uh larry hits it actually touches her on the shoulder you know Uh, so that's like Mm. that's not 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 on richard engages in uh, quite a lot of gaslighting uh blackmailing to to get sex you know he says (laughs) My aunt is very sick. He's mm. he's saying like I don't leave my parents. My parents died. You know that's all just mm. to get sex. Well, you, you know, know
0: uh, you know Ted Kotcheff makes a cameo as the dad. <laughs> okay, he was great. Yeah, maybe I'll lay you out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so uh, Bernie gives money to a, a uh, someone on the Hamptons, and he says, buy yourself a girlfriend. Because um, that's what you do. You, you know, oh, course, are, he, also, he also says booze and women. That's my lifestyle, and I love it.
1: That's fair. I think that is fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, give a, I give him a free pass on that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> when Tawny comes in, possibly the hottest movie in both, uh, hottest chick in both of these movies. Uh she, you, you know, she says she's kitted out in a bikini. She says, "I'm hi, I'm Tawny," and Larry says, "Hi, I'm horny." Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. AJ, yeah. is that of a line that would work or?
4: <laughs> maybe.
0: Maybe. So
4: <laughs> a, guy... Only,
2: a guy. Only if
0: he's hot though. Only if he's hot.
4: <laughs> and he's cashed up.
0: Yeah. A
2: guy, uh, <laughs> one of the
0: disgusting. What, you old... mean like you would
1: have to be you, like like cash in hands, like just so you know.
4: In his Bernie style maybe. Money. Yeah. <laughs>
2: One of the disgusting guys at the party says to Gwen, nice outfit. It would look nicer crumpled on my floor in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) You can't laugh at that.
1: This
2: is sexual crime.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Some charming stuff.
2: So. uh uh Bernie um so there's two things here this will end end the first movie so Bernie um has his arm on the couch a woman sits down and she says a woman says to him like laughing off his his uh, groping of her behind bernie you animal you're insatiable <laughs> this is one of two incidents but really the biggest one is that uh Bernie uh, has sex with Tina so rape culture is so pervasive that men rape when they're dead right.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> there, there is, there is no end to our debauchery. Apparently, unbelievable. Well,
2: literally, yeah. If, from beyond yeah, the grave, you can. Uh...
1: Although in in that version, he
3: couldn't say no.
2: It's true. Well, you
3: know, I don't know. I
2: guess
1: one. I, I don't think I don't think that's going to fly that argument in
2: 2020. Liam I believe all women, okay? So oh, um, the so. um <laughs> that was the first movie. Uh just get, now the second movie uh, just a you've already mentioned a quick quick uh, quickly some of the others. So Titty's popping out on the beach. Um now this might be my favorite thing in the world, I think. Like, yeah you know, the
1: way the way you said it made me like it even more. I was just like, it's popping out on the beach. Like, my, my favorite, favorite thing, thing in the world I, is I things things popping out on the
3: beach
2: like but, yeah. But it does give the film an immediate 8 out of 10. So it there's there's that <laughs> Larry the sex pest basically. What the I have a question about that. Uh, uh, what the fuck was the date like? She comes back from the date with Larry. She like despises what the hell
4: did yes. he do on this date? Yeah yeah. It's never Definitely. explained is it? that was it's annoying it? me,
1: yeah. He, like, I, we know at this point he's the worst, but you think they would kind of at least give us a hint of him being the worst? It's just like it goes, I've never seen a scene like it before where they go straight to the end of the date and she's like, All right, you're the worst person, I want you to leave, but then instead of dealing with the date, we just deal with him trying to sexually abuse her afterwards. It's a very strange approach, mm. if truth be told. Oh, he definitely asked her to pay
3: for the meal, didn't he? Like he had to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think that makes it worse because you, you you know it's it's what you don't see that you know mm. it's your own imagination that mm. that's coming up with the worst stuff, you know.
1: Yeah, and she seems so reasonable, doesn't she? Like he goes, and let's be clear, like right from the off, he's a bit of a slime ball. And when he asks her out on a date, he even he's surprised that she says yes. So <laughs> yeah. the in, in, the Immediate impression is that she has a pretty high tolerance for sleaze, but one date later, she's like, I cannot deal with this guy. He is the worst. I, I want to see what happened on that date. Mm.
2: So the last thing I mentioned for this particular movie, get your ideas on on the Me Too scale itself. Uh, the L. Ron Hubbard C-sex crew that they mm. assemble at the end <laughs> of the film... Yeah, puts this um, in another realm entirely because really th- that does. is just like the movie is pretty much over, and then they just go anyway with this million dollars that we've got. Here are these nubile women. They're, they don't. They're probably not sailors. They're, let's face it. They're prostitutes. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> they.
1: <laughs> well,
4: they just wanted to mm. be on a boat. Yeah,
1: they're, they're very, <laughs> very clearly prostitutes with hats, and that is all <laughs> they are. Okay, that we see crushed what as soon we want as to see. they left the uh, <laughs> pool, honestly.
2: <laughs> All right. So w- now these are the charges, gentlemen and ladies. What, what do we think of this out of 10 on a Me Too scale? Now, we've said that, you know, zero, no case to answer, and 10 is, is, is you know, getting,
1: getting serious. Well, the first film, I think, is a very different beast. I think th- there are some, you know, there are some light shenanigans uh, again, maybe some people disagree, but I'm like four or five maybe for the first film. I think the date scene alone pushes this one up much higher on the scale. <laughs> and then and then for the final shot of the film to ostensibly saying, this is the American dream, because that's what this series is really all about, these two films. And at the end of it, they say, the guy's finally got the money. So of course they get their yacht and their prostitutes, just like any good American would want. Yeah. So I, I don't know, well, they- not sure if that flies
0: the the ultimate the ultimate message is that you know you, you lie cheat break the law steal defraud and and look what you get at the end of it
1: the donald M- money in hoes. <laughs> that's right <laughs>
4: Boats and, <laughs> boats, boats. <laughs> boats and hoes Boats and they
1: well,
2: there's a, As a wise man once said they they let you grab them by the pussy.
1: <laughs> no, of <laughs> course, pussy. I believe
2: wow. It was said by the president, forty fifth president.
4: Of the maybe, maybe
1: he was talking about Seahorse I mean, you know, anything goes at sea. It's a very different rule set to uh, the no, name I name, think for sure. number two definitely pushes
3: the the Me Too scale higher. But I all, it's because of Richard. For me, wow! Uh, it, that, like you said, it, he's all about doing business until something happens that he can push himself onto a woman, like the conga thing. He has to run out of the uh, the room when he hears about look at the titties on that or the tits <laughs> or whatever he said on. Uh, just everything about like this is so lecherous. It is awful with that guy. Yes. And Even
4: at the end, he's going to call the police until the yes. birds come on. Yeah. Yes. Exactly.
3: It's like okay, until I realize I can hire myself some women with some money that I didn't want to keep anyway.
4: Okay, I'm in. In some ways, he is worse than Larry, Mm.
1: because at least Larry is honest with what he is.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I just out of interest, this is going so. But so, what was the deal with him and and, in Claudia? Like, I, I felt like they were implying at some point that there was going to be some kind of relationship between them, but it just never really materialized. It was
2: so realistic; they just went their separate ways. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that's right. Like she spent like half a day with him. It's like, well, I'm kind of glad he's not dead, but Jesus Christ! I mean, when
3: from the first was it Gwen from the first film where we get to Bernie's two is set like two days later, and they don't even mm-hmm. mention the woman that he's having yeah. a
2: life with. So yeah. it's actually it's actually a series trope: is yeah. that you spend. Time with the woman for the whole movie, and then you just don't kick it no more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so, Me Too scale for the second one's pretty high. We we're mm. all agreeing yeah, on that.
2: Yeah. We, well, I, I think you oh. you all are playing this out. I I think this movie is so egregious that I've contacted Hermione Granger to give a speech to the UN <laughs> about what pigs. Uh, we all are for even watching it. Okay, so you're
0: giving it a, a eleven is
2: that it's what you mean it? it's big i'm just i look i'm just saying it's big and i'm um, and but unfortunately i had a great time as well
0: <laughs> so well as you know as you know quite often the the higher the me too scale you know the the higher the fun so good. yeah there, there, I, there's one thing
1: we may disagree on the ultimate score but we can all agree that you know sexually <laughs> questionable scenes are enjoyable it's your words, I, you said I, it. I, I wondered where you were born with that then. Honestly, I did not I wasn't sure either, to be honest. No, it was a big pause.
2: It was after you said sexually. And it's just yeah, that, yeah. Big, that pregnant pause. Yeah, I feel like,
1: you know, like... You know, you're going down a street and you're like, you're fully aware that you're painting yourself into a corner. It's like, oh man, (laughs) this could go very wrong for me. And I feel like it did, but yeah, I, I can assure you, it could have gone a lot worse.
2: I just Look, I must say though, I, watching even the first one, but particularly the second one, I just, it just makes me want to get, um, you know these interns at, at the New York Times, and you know people who work at Penguin Publishing, and just and I just sit them down and put the Clockwork Orange, um, you know, eyeball <laughs> things on, and just say, check out this mo- little movie that I've got for you, <laughs> and just to sh- just 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 show them that how the world. I don't know. Well could be really if they wa- if we all wanted it to be. <laughs> like, again.
1: People ask you. It's like, wait, you're going straight to the sequel? Yeah, don't worry about the first one. <laughs> <You're gonna> be- <laughs> it's just gonna be Weekend of Bernie's two. Hey, you okay. know,
0: they actually wrote a script for Weekend of Bernie's three that never got oh. made. Yeah. So it exists out there. Apparently you can read it online. It's it's Ooh. out there.
1: Do you have any idea how they get Bernie back again?
0: No, no idea. But but I think there's a there's a female body is an addition, maybe. <laughs> oh, so, really? So they go. So they go. Terminator Three. Is it Terminator Three mm-hmm. where they have the the female? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I just love it, Actually, that if if you were to make this movie now, that would be the first thing they'd say. Anyway, they they get Helen Mirren or something to be the Bernie. <laughs> but you but, but you, you you couldn't, and it do- would be Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wig or whatever would yeah. be the, the, the two.
0: The, you know, and,
2: and and it would be, and and everyone would say, "Oh, this is so much
0: better." <laughs> no, but there's no there's no way you could do that though. Like to have to have a guy like. Go up into the bedroom and and sleep with a dead Helen Mirren would be Why not? Why not? It's it's a different
1: film for sure.
0: Yeah.
4: (laughs) I can't believe you said Helen Mirren. Not
0: Helen,
1: not sweet Helen.
3: Do you see what the tagline for Weekend of Bernie's 3 was? (sighs) The corpse awakens. So I think they are bringing
1: <laughs> Bernie back, apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, shit! But that is um, the thing—they have opened the door with this film. I mean, you know, by uh, introducing, uh, you know, voodoo magic. It's like, well, you know, anything goes at this point.
2: Hmm. Uh goodness me! It's uh, it, it yeah, I don't know. Well, I I I await I with bated breath. Uh, weekend Bernie's <laughs> three or the soft reboot? Yeah. You know? Whatever that. Implies. Yeah, but are we
1: going to have Andrew McCarthy back? Is he going to be just playing this in his, like, late 50s but still Probably. just being his and horrible?
3: Oh, Andrew McCarthy has to be Bernie at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's right? what I was going to say. He <laughs>
0: should come back as Bernie. Great job. That's a good job.
4: He's coming back for a paycheck. But that would be so
2: nightmarish, though. Like, like in, you know, it would actually make it quite brilliant. It would be, like, six feet under or something, like how everyone <laughs> dies. Like, like, it's sort of like... You know, like oh yeah, isn't it funny that like Larry's dead now? And you say yeah, but I, I like sp- spent a lot of time with Larry, and I thought he was like funny and full of life, and now I've got to hang out with him like dead. It's kind of, it's kind of a the only fun thing novel. is, like, it
1: wouldn't like you wouldn't even have to do a build-up. Like if you've seen the other films, and the film just opens with Larry dead, he's been shot. And you're like, well, yeah, of course he has. Of course <laughs> he got he, shot has.
2: By, he got shot by all the women he's um, you know abused.
4: <laughs> yeah. I'm Larry. Fuck off, Larry. <laughs> oh, a yeah, fair. good line.
2: Great <laughs> line. <laughs> well, uh, any uh, other tidbits from this uh, on either film? Really, to cover? There was
3: one thing I wanted to mention about this one was in the bank when they they got Bernie <laughs> between them and they got the uh, the Mac. Which why are they selling Macs in a paradise? I don't know, but they managed to find a Mac and Bernie signing the paper with his left hand. From his
2: yes.
0: right hand, <laughs> yes. yeah, Yes. No, 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 I, I like that. That was that. good. He's got That's two good. left hands. It's great.
2: But all the stuff, I think, one of the joys of the film is the is the ingenious ways in which they try and animate Bernie. So tie, you know, shoelaces tying to his, you know, shoes, yeah, yeah. or you know, doing your hand puppetry, or or like, yeah, ropes and pulleys, <laughs> <You know? laughs> all of that.
3: In the morning on weekend, the Bernie's one when he's
1: waving to the passers by. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his limp wristed wave.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, again, I, I guess one of the questions is, was like, by the end of the film, I'm still looking at it. I was like, despite the spear in his head, which again is a whole other question, is why does Larry have a spear gun with him for this endeavor? I have no idea. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. I thought
2: about that. I was like, why yeah. do they have that?
1: Even <laughs> like decomposition aside, I mean, he is driven through what? Four, five gates, numerous buildings. He seems in pretty good nick again at the end. You know, yeah. <laughs> he seems to be doing surprisingly well for a guy who, at this point, is being dead for weeks, as far as I can tell.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> if it, the movie would be so different if they treated him like the, the you know, the 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 apparitions in American Werewolf in London. Like if it was like <laughs> like just getting more and more horrendous, and you just go, oh my god! Like the movie only works like because he's it's completely bloodless. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah, of like, course, yeah, yeah. There's no blood. Like he gets shot and and you know, I, I don't know how the body works, but there's like z- literally no no blood at all. <laughs> like like it's he's sort of just death is death is just such a, a lark. It's like, oh yeah, you're just, oh, he's, this is dead, you just playing dead.
0: Also
3: Walkman's underwater.
4: Yeah. It's
1: yeah. not flying. It's not flying. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I've got like a special place in my heart for people in films who have really small roles who are so truly terrible that they stand out like a sore thumb. And the security guard who comes out and says, freeze, he has one line, one line, <laughs> not one line, one word. And somehow he, oh, it's just the worst delivery I've ever seen. I was like, you could have gone out and got somebody from the street who could have done a better job than that security guard. But no, we're going to stick with this. That was take 20. And that's the best one we've got. It's unreal.
3: I, I did love the, uh, the scale of what they deemed as more uh, offensive for law. Sorry, my words are not coming out right. Like he was caught shoplifting in The Investigator and he had four coppers per him in the car. But when he assaulted, apparently assaulted women by ripping their bras off, one copper.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Fun and games. That, that's, that's just, you know. Um, that's how things go on the
1: Virgin Oz. <laughs> yeah,
4: that's just, schemes. You know.
2: Like you would no, because it was all agreed by the male crew, the male <laughs> producer, the male writers that like it was just yeah, carry on, Virgin Islands. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, they weren't even going
1: to arrest him at first. So like, well, it seems pretty pretty standards, you know, to me. I don't know do. I don't know what the guy's done wrong, if truth be told. But I again, it's that whole thing, isn't it? It was like like the Arthur so- like story is a bizarre one. Then there's the whole like you said earlier, the um, oh, what are they called? The two guys, Henry and Charles. I'm like, I'm still not totally sure if they're required in this movie at all. And it, I think it's amazing that we've talked about Weekend and Bernie's too so much, and we've hardly mentioned how mental the whole voodoo thing is. Like, I know we've used it as an excuse to get him up and about, but I mean, it really is insane. And I, I don't think it paints uh, the Virgin Isles in the, the finest of lights, because everybody knows about voodoo.
2: But we've talked about this in some other films. I mentioned them earlier. You know, and in fact, one of the guys—not Steve James, but the other guy—he's in Marks for Death*, <laughs> like another vo- voodoo-inspired film. And um, there was something about the '80s. This, you know, this uh, with *Serpent and the Rainbow*. This, this, this uh, fascination with this, with this, uh, what, what, what back then was an exotic um, culture, you know, and. Um, you know, uh, uh, if you if you buy into well, I don't know, like this these this film is not uh, is not like Served in the Rainbow*, so it's it, it, ultimately it's sort of like it, it it's it's well intended because they're trying to have fun, but the the engagement with the culture is is you know they're just using it like like in very interchangeably together, oh, yeah. you know, so you know it's sort of it's it's sort of indefensible on those grounds in a way like you just go well you know i mean yeah you do
1: have to just kind of go with it don't you? it's like claudia they just like just so happen that he hits on her and she just happens to be bang into voodoo and just by chance her dad who's a legitimate doctor is also bang into voodoo it's like okay let's mm. just let's just go with this i
4: suppose mm.
2: Yeah, no, it is. Um, look, so the movie hinges on um, whether you whether you you're into the, the the voodoo dancing or not. And if you're not into it, well, <laughs> exactly. don't watch it. You know, just know not watch it. What came first,
1: the premise or the voodoo dancing? They're just Probably like, the oh, i wouldn't to be. I think it was the dancing. I think. Yes. Listen, if we can get Bernie to do the dancing, that I will do anything <laughs> to make this work from a narrative perspective. Anything to get to make sure that he's dancing on the beach. <laughs>
3: Because as Ricky said, because they had the Caribbean music in the first one, they doubled down in this one, and they had to find a way to just keep it going. So why not voodoo dancing with the Caribbean music?
2: But it's an essentializing of the of the of the concept. Again, it's they they distilled it. They were like, you know, let's go to the Virgin Islands. Like, let's not even bother with the hand, because Let's like, you know, and let's just go the full distance. You know,
1: I just, I just feel like that's how this film got. Like that's how I would pitch it. I mean, remember earlier I was talking about my NFL dance. Now imagine that in a boardroom. Nobody really knows. It's like, listen, I just, I just, I walk in, there's suits everywhere. I just lay face down on the floor. Like I said, 20, 30 seconds, all that. Finally get up, do the little dance, look at everybody and I say, now imagine that, but I'm dead. Like, I'm getting the funding. <laughs> I'm absolutely getting the funding. <laughs> that's how these movies get, I assume that's how they get made anyway. <laughs> well, I, either ways, so I think we can all agree with like, I mean, I don't think it's a very good film, but I'm glad it exists. Yes, yeah,
2: I agree. I agree with that, you know, because it's always better to have, uh, you know, those you know, conservatism, creative conservatism is a real scourge. And this movie has none of that. And I have to applaud that. Oh, absolutely.
3: As we say on our show,
1: usually may not be a good film, but a great watch.
4: Yeah. had a great time. That's
1: true. Yeah. Nobody once in the making of this film asked the question, should we be doing this? Like the answer, it was just nothing but green lights across the board. It's like, yeah, we should absolutely do it. Again, it comes back to that idea, it's like, I hope there was a lot of cocaine involved. I have to assume there was.
4: <laughs> there definitely was.
1: I, <laughs> I think at this point in 2021, if you had directed or been involved in this film, and they asked you, "Was there a lot of cocaine involved in this movie?" <laughs> if there wasn't, you would lie and say there was. Definitely. Like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> if anything, I mean, uh, like heroin, all sorts, all sorts was going
0: on. Uh, good stuff. Well, I think uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Sure. The Weekend of Bernie's Saga. Mm.
1: Yeah, as it's as it's known amongst
0: us fans. Du- duology is the, another word that I've heard used.
4: <laughs> really? Well,
0: let's just hope we can that Bernie's 3 comes out sometime.
4: We can make it.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap up our first international collaboration. Thanks so much, guys, for uh, yeah, getting together. And uh, I know it's very late over where you guys are. I think it's uh, bedtime for you, but... um, I think it is, yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) The day is just beginning for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, good luck with that. But um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Hopefully, we'll get to do this again soon. Uh, Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Well, uh, if you liked our Co-Pro, definitely think about checking out uh, Hey You Guys podcast. They do a great job in reviewing movies uh, of the 80s and, and early 90s. All right, well, that was the Hey You Guys podcast in collaboration uh, with the New Flesh. We had a great time.
4: That was a lot of fun.
0: So good. Mm. So, what do we have next week?
2: Uh, next week we have we're, we're doing a film called Jade.
0: Mm, sexy. Ooh.
2: Hey Jay, have you seen Jade?
4: No.
0: Oh, well, I think Frank's gonna uh, Frank's gonna have a good time.
4: Hey,
2: definitely, definitely. I think there's a lot to lot to talk about, and then. Um, uh, the week after, we're gonna. I think we're starting our spooktacular.
4: I'm really excited mm. about
2: that. <laughs> <It's> oh, <good>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so <laughs> uh, good. So,
0: um, yeah, that's what's coming up. And uh, mm. but
2: this Thursday, uh, we. Uh, what are we
0: doing this Thursday? I, I, I believe we've got Katie on board to discuss uh, a pyramid scheme.
4: Oh, a fashion
0: pyramid scheme.
4: Ah, oh, it's fantastic, Docker Yeah. Really
0: good. So yeah, we'll be talking uh, Lularoe, but also uh, we've got a few other topics that we might might cover as well. Some tra- it's Just
2: a question: Is there any trans stuff to talk about? Or?
0: Well, there might be a little bit oh, of trans okay. uh, transplaining. <laughs> when is the not? Just
2: checking. Just checking. <laughs> I wanted people to. I didn't want people to think that you know, they they weren't gonna have their favorite topics. Cuphead. yeah yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> mm. we're not drifting too far away from the uh trans anchor here no all right, well, we said what we said, we said what we said till next time. Long live the new flesh, long live the new flesh.
2: welcome to sideboob cinema. <laughs>